From finance and commerce, this is Beyond the Skyline, a podcast about economic development, commercial real estate, and construction in Minnesota. In each episode, you will meet business leaders, builders, entrepreneurs, and big thinkers. I'm David Bolander, editor of Finance and Commerce. Thanks so much for joining me. Beyond the Skyline is sponsored by Ironmark Building Company. Whether it's a new luxury apartment building in the North Loop or expanding the community in the suburbs, Ironmark builds quality projects for discerning clients. Ironmark's foundation is built on a culture of collaboration with clients and projects that stand the test of time. Talk to Ironmark's award-winning team about your next construction project today. Go to ironmarkbuildingco.com. In this episode, Ethan Foley, the Vision Zero Program Coordinator for the City of Minneapolis, talks to FNC reporter Dan Netter. Minneapolis recently received a $20 million grant from the federal government to bolster its efforts to reduce traffic deaths. Foley discusses those efforts and what they mean for infrastructure and traffic safety. Ethan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Dan. So, Ethan, I I just want to start off with uh, quick question. How did you find yourself uh, in the position that you are now as the Vision Zero Port Program Coordinator for the city of Minneapolis? Yeah, well, I live in Minneapolis. Um, I, I've been in the city for 24 years. Um, my family's here um, and I have a passion for the city. And I also, um, my background is in city planning um, and ter- I ended up working more and more on kind of walking and bicycle and other safety related issues, both at the state and then eventually the local level. And then saw this position come up uh, and really excited to be able to um, to work in my hometown um, for something I, re- I really care about. Because I think, you know, as a resident, we, we all want to be able to get around our city safely and easily um, and comfortably. And so being able to to work on that every day is uh, very meaningful. Yeah. And so uh, talk to me and just for maybe for the people who are listening and aren't completely 100% familiar with uh, Vision Zero, um, can you tell me, uh, you know, wh- how would you describe the uh, program and uh, what, what its goals are? Sure. Yeah. Well, first of all, I I think a lot of people haven't heard of Vision Zero, and that's totally okay. Um, it is the city's effort to get to zero traffic deaths, as you mentioned. One of the things that I, th- you know, you say, okay, it's a it's a traffic safety effort. Lots of places have traffic safety efforts. Um, that's great. I think one of the things that's important with Vision Zero is you are saying that the goal is to get to zero. There isn't an ex- it's not acceptable for people to be dying moving around our city. And for a long time, I think we had goals of making it safer. Uh, but I think with Vision Zero, you're recognizing that we do have to have significant shift in both mindset, but in also the approach if we're going to get to zero. And that is the only acceptable goal to have. And so another big part of it is I think we have to recognize as we're working on traffic safety that we can't just expect people to have perfect behavior. People are human. They make mistakes. What Vision Zero recognizes is that we should have systems that mean that 
somebody making a mistake doesn't mean that they or someone else dies. And so what I think that means compared to a lot of traffic safety uh, efforts is we have less of a focus on education efforts or um, big communications campaigns and more of a focus on really how are our our streets and our designs really supporting especially safer speeds because speed is such an important the most important factor in whether a crash happens but then also whether someone dies in that crash yeah and so you know it's a it's a traffic safety initiative that is looking not so much at the public for trying to improve um the uh number of traffic deaths traffic caused deaths but rather looking at the infrastructure is that is that what you're getting at yeah it's our primary focus is on the the systems that we can control as the city right yeah and so can you tell me a little bit about what some of those um traffic related things or infrastructure related things um that uh you know vision zero in the city has um done over the last seven years of the program being around that you maybe think are worth highlighting or um just that you the steps that you've taken yeah so the city is obviously regularly working on street projects all the time i think we we hear regularly in minnesota hey there are two seasons there's winter and road construction right and and so i think the biggest thing we do is as we're working on a, a a road we're working to incorporate all the safety best practices that we can into into that project and so that's something that we really intentionally um, ramped up a lot um, at the the start of Vision Zero, and now it's just part of our processes, and that's part of how we prioritize what projects are going to get funded, and then it's part of what you see out there when we're doing uh, bringing forward designs on projects. So that's been really impactful on a, a lot of projects, and we'll start to be even more. You'll see that even more and more as more projects come uh, to construction, but I. I think you you really see that well in say a project like um, Plymouth Avenue North west of Penn Avenue um, that was uh, reconstructed a couple years ago, um, or um, you know parts of Bryant Avenue kind of take that that mindset or Grand Avenue South, um, and then you know with upcoming redesigns and projects starting this year on Hennepin Avenue in Uptown, you know that's again like how are we really putting forward designs that are going to help us get to zero traffic deaths. And so that's really important. Um, we've also been, uh, since Vision Zero, we, we started a program and, and I think people sometimes ask, like, what are all these white posts around, these plastic posts I see them around, sometimes they get knocked down and, oh, I, you know, some people, I, I recognize that they're not the most beautiful thing in the world, right? Um, but what those treatments that we call quick build treatments allow us to do is uh, get out and we've installed um, safety, proven safety things, that, uh, measures at uh, more than 250 intersections in the last um, three years. And so that allows us to get out quickly 
And then over time, what we're doing is looking to upgrade those to, to concrete. And um, that's something we'll be doing more and more of um, with the help of federal funding and, and other things. So uh, we also, you know, our effort to reduce speed limits a, a, a few years ago um, was very much aligned with our, our Vision Zero work. Um, so that's obviously very significant. We're working on uh, getting state legislative authority to be able to implement a pilot of uh, traffic safety cameras for speeding and potentially uh, red light running as well. So again, that's that's um, driven by our our goal for Vision Zero. So those are uh, you know just a, a few of the things that we've been doing. And. Uh, you know, I, I guess I'm curious how you feel like Vision Zero uh, has been making progress. Um, I'm, I'm looking at the 2023-2025 uh, plan um, for Vision Zero, the action plan. Um, and, you know, I, I see in here that from, uh, you know, 2019 had some pretty low fatal crashes. Um, which involved reckless driving, um, and that you know in twenty twenty one, it went up. And I'm I'm curious, you know, do you feel like the 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 work that you're doing is, is that there's been progress, um, or do you uh, do you feel like uh, you know there's still a lot of work to be done? That's in that sense. Yeah, the, if you if you search. Um for Vision Zero new articles, there have been quite a few recently is like, is Vision Zero failing? And I think one of the things that we have to recognize is that our work on traffic safety doesn't happen in a totally in a vacuum, right? We, um, there's COVID and the murder of George Floyd and all the, the trauma in our community in 2020 um, felt by many folks that impacts this in a big way. Right. And so we see that across the state or across the country. But I think, you know, honestly, we've seen it more acutely than most places in Minneapolis. And so um, we definitely, what we have seen in our, when we analyze some, which I review all the, the severe and fatal crashes in the city, being what we see is um, that where we are installing improvements, safety improvements, we are seeing fewer uh, bad crashes, and at the same time, we're seeing more overall because we're not getting to everywhere all the time um, right away, right? And um, and also the nature of crashes has changed since 2020. Um, and I think you mentioned this a little bit with with reckless driving, and and I think we all see it as if we're out in our, around the the city at all, we we've seen this, right? As there's been a shift and there is more really reckless driving and that very much shows up, especially in our fatal crashes. And so prior to 2020 in our crash analysis, um, you know, our, our efforts had a little bit different focus than we have post 2020 because of that increase, particularly in super high speeds. So it's really looking at like, how can we address those evolving challenges? Um, but at, at the core, the, the same principles hold true, right? We know people aren't going to be have perfect behavior. So how do we um, support in the best way we can? 
Um, we also want to be very data driven, right? Like this is about looking at the information and making informed decisions. Um, so we have seen positive results uh, in some areas uh, and with some of the work that we've been doing, but there's a lot more to do and, and we know that. And, um, and, but we also, you know, we have to change. It has to evolve over the time. So, um, you know, I think about this a little bit is, um, you know, prior to 2020, I had a more of a focus on how are we dealing with turning vehicles at intersections? It's a big crash challenge for us. Um, you know, it's one of our, 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 our top causes since then it's, you know, I have this sort of question of like, how do we design so that it isn't possible for someone to drive 95 miles an hour and run through a red light and kill somebody? Because the reality is, is that in 2022, we had, I believe it was eight fatal crashes where there, that involved a driver going more than 70 miles an hour on a street. Often, you know, often these are county roadways, 30 mile an hour speed limit. 30 or 25, whatever, it's it's way too fast and it's way faster than almost anyone would even consider going. But like, how do we address that reality in a, in a way that um, is being proactive at addressing that challenge, right? It's a challenge we can't address solely with enforcement. It, it, and, and but how do we think about it from a street design perspective? But also big picture, just acknowledge like trauma, um, access to wealth, all these things matter for traffic safety as well. So we, we do have to uh, get at a lot of the root societal challenges we have too. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to hit on that. Um, you know, the, the, I guess the, the, what you were just mentioning. Um, but, but real quickly, um, I'm curious, you know, if you have any speculation on, you know, why emerging from the pandemic, we had this increase in reckless driving that, you know, we, we can see from, we can see from these stats that there was an increase in reckless driving, but I'm, I'm curious if you know, or have any speculation as to why that is happening. Um, you know, I think there's been a little research on this in other areas of life too, because it's not, this is not a uniquely traffic safety thing, right? We've had Certainly in Minneapolis, we've had a spike in violent crimes. Um, and we've seen other things like that a- across the country. Uh, and and what, I, what I've seen some researches around is um, a couple of things here. First of all, trauma compounds, right? If somebody, I think many people who were in Minneapolis in the summer of 2020 have some level of trauma from that. Um, now, that was concentrated in certain neighborhoods. Um, certainly I live at Chicago Avenue and Lake Street. And so my neighborhood had a, a lot experienced a lot of trauma um that summer. And for folks who were dealing with a lot of stress from COVID, maybe job insecurity, other things like that, all of that heightened trauma like impacts folks. And that comes out in different ways. Um, comes out in sometimes in more reckless um behavior, um, like was driving. Uh, or drinking, which drinking and driving obviously are problematic. Um, it also, what we saw there very much is a a fraying of our of our social fab, right? And and so um, certainly there's uh, a lot of 
uh, people who distrust the government. Um, that as leads to more distrust of neighbors and, um, and all of that leads to people being less likely to have the, you know, like just have that social, um, I'm going to follow social norms and I'm not going to drive crazy fast here because I'm part of a community and I feel part of the community and I feel connected. And so, you know, I, um, when I think about like, I go to, you know, if I travel some, you know, I traveled recently to Europe with my family and, you know, that's a place where a lot of, you don't feel the, the coming out of the pandemic as much as you do here. Um, and, and so, and I think that's because of a variety of things in terms of how things are structured. Um, but at the core, this, the having that, that's strong social connections, um, and support structures uh, in place. So all of that matters. And so I'm, I'm obviously a planner that works on, uh, in public works <laughs> and that stuff. I, I see it in the literature. I, I know it matters. Um, and also, uh, I, it isn't a, it isn't a place that I can directly impact. Um, so I, we look at and think about it. How do we recognize those realities in the work that we can impact? Um, directly with our traffic safety efforts. So, and and I will acknowledge also that part of the component um, is likely uh, research suggests um, that uh, you know we've we've had a uh, exodus from um, our police department, uh, and since the murder of George Floyd, there's been a lot of community distrust. Um, some of that uh, impacts traffic stops, and as well in traffic enforcement, which are is way down. Um, since 2020 as well. And so uh, some of those checks on maybe antisocial behavior are, are not the same. And I think we see this in other um, places as well, our transit system, for example. And so those are all just things that we have to think about. And so when we think about traffic safety camera program, that's one way for us to, to get a, um, a capacity while also recognizing that part of the investigations into the city and MPD included that there's discriminatory um, uh, stops happening uh, for traffic and discriminatory outcomes coming out of that. Uh, and so we, we need to address those things as well. And while rebuilding trust with communities, so we, we are supporting um, the strong uh, social fabric too. And getting back to, you know, you mentioned some of the disparities in um, who traffic deaths are uh, occurring among. And, and I'm curious if you could talk a little bit about that. Sure. So we, for a while, we've seen disparities in where traffic crashes happen uh, in the city, um, particularly neighborhoods with more folks with lower incomes. Um, so I had historically seen higher rates of severe and fatal crashes that has been further exasperated um since 2020 and i think uh we have not historically had very significant racial disparities in traffic deaths um we don't have racial data for uh, se severe injury crashes so the number of traffic deaths is pretty low. And so, you know, these things ebb and flow quite a bit. 
Um, but we have seen more disparities, also racial disparities since 2020 as well, with more particularly um, black residents being impacted by traffic deaths. And so these are things that are unacceptable. But where whatever neighbor you live in the city, whatever your background is, it should be safe for you to get around. Um, and that's really important. But I think it also, again, reflects where has that trauma been impacted the most? And the reality is, is that in 2020 and 2021, um, we had almost no severe fatal crashes in the southwestern part of the city, um, which is, as many folks will know, is a more affluent part of the city. Um, at the same time, we were seeing huge spikes in um, uh, severe and fatal crashes in North Minneapolis and in near South Minneapolis areas. And those, again, are areas that were most impacted by uh, unrest after the murder of George Floyd, where residents have less of a safety net if they lose their job because of COVID. Folks are less likely to be working from home. All those things are factors. And all those things are about equity. What I also say is, you know, we also see that lower income neighborhoods often have more streets that are carry a little more traffic. This is especially true in near South Minneapolis, uh, the neighborhood that I live in, um, uh, in Phillips, um, you know, has a lot more busy streets than, um, uh, say, neighborhoods in Southwest Minneapolis. So that's also a factor um, in why uh, severe fatal crashes are more likely in Phillips than they are in, say, Linden Hills. Um, and so, but it's obviously more complicated. It's it's a very complicated issue overall. Mm -hmm. And can you talk to me a little bit about uh, this $20 million from the federal government? Um, you know, what does this mean for Vision Zero and its goals in Minneapolis? Yeah, it's huge. Um, so we did receive a $20 million federal grant, as you mentioned, uh, through a program called Safe Streets for All. Uh, this will be, uh, will be, uh, the state will actually be providing our local match for this as well. So it's a $25 million total project. Um, and this is allowing us to uh, install safety improvements on 25 miles of high injury streets. High injury streets are the streets we identify as having the most severe and fatal crashes. And so we focus um, efforts, safety efforts on those streets. And so we, uh, this will also allow us to invest in basically every traffic signal in the city doing some low cost um, safety improvements at those. So we'll be getting to kind of all around the city with this in a very significant way. And what it really does is it helps to us to fund the things we didn't already have funded that we want to do from a safety perspective. And it really means that over the coming five, six years, we are going to be installing safety improvements on nearly all of our high injury streets in Minneapolis. And that will undoubtedly make a big difference for safety. Um, so yeah, really excited to have the federal government supporting this. And what, what do you think, um, like, like what, what do you think that, uh, needs to be accomplished before 2027, you know, this, this self-imposed deadline that the city has, uh, sort of vision zero. 
Um, what do you think needs to happen before 2027 for um, this goal to be ultimately realized? I think we would, uh, I'll just be honest, we could get to zero by 2027, but that would take a little bit of luck um, on at, at this point in time where we're at. I think we can more realistically get there in another five or so years after that um, with the investments that we're making coming up. Um, and also just as we can efforts continue to re-knitting our social fabric in the city and, and we come out of, um, 2020. And so, uh, I, I definitely think that we have to have our streets be and a transportation system, supporting people getting around without feeling like they have to drive really fast through our, our neighborhoods. That's just a reality to getting to zero. Um, we, you know, and our, our speed limits um, update reflects that. Uh, and, and we have to get to an outcome where the, you know, folks are, most folks are going um, close to our speed limits and that we're addressing the, the reckless uh, driving in particular. And so, um, that is going to, you know, that there's a lot of pieces to that. Um, but we, I think we, we definitely can get to zero. Um, it's just a matter of, of time. And then also, um, you know, prioritizing that as a community and saying, Hey, it's, we, we shouldn't, you know, we have 20, uh, 20 fatal crashes in Minneapolis last year, um, like 27, I think it's 26 or, um, people were killed in those fatal crashes. And that's, we, we have to say collectively that that's unacceptable, you know, and, and that's an important part of getting to zero too. And, you know, the pandemic was, uh, you know, it shifted a lot of industries. Um, and, you know, it seems like, uh, you know, over the course of our conversation here together, um, and, and I, I'm curious what you make of this, um, if you think this statement I'm about to make is true or not. But it seems like 2020, uh, with the combined um, traumas of the pandemic um, and the civil unrest that happened in the wake of George Floyd's murder, that that year was a real um, game changer for the Vision Zero program in minneapolis is is that safe to say uh, it, it definitely from an outcome perspective um it it certainly totally changed the dynamic and things and i think overall for us as we think about um you take a shock do two shocks like that at the same time and um so as as a community how do we adjust and think about things differently or do things differently. And I think that's really important in Vision Zero as well. And I, you know, so I, I think, you know, that's part of what we think about in, in traffic enforcement as well, you know, as an, as an example, like how do we just have our street designs need less enforcement, right? Over time is, um, that's a better outcome for everyone. Um, we, we, uh, help to support safe behavior and you don't need to have some, you know, the enforcement. And so, um, that is, I, I think, uh, you know, the dynamics around that conversation have certainly changed 
quite a bit. And I, and, you know, I think they continue to evolve. Um, and I, you know, I hear a lot of frustrations on kind of all sides of that issue, right. In our engagement. And so, but I, I think at the core we have to, and this is a challenge, I think across all kinds of issues, right. We have to, um, how do we support our community caring about each other? Um, and being, having their needs, their basic needs met, um, successfully because, uh, we haven't talked about, you know, people experiencing homelessness yet, but that's another challenge the city is facing. And we see that in traffic crashes as well. Um, and, you know, I, I think an issue like traffic deaths or, you know, it's, it's, you have to meet the basic needs, um, in order for folks, for us to, to truly get at this challenge too. Ethan, is there anything else that you'd like to add to this conversation? Yeah, and um, so I just want folks to know that uh, we are uh, working really hard to make it safer on our streets. Um, I personally care about this work a lot. I see this um, sort of uh, my current, you know, uh, life's work, um, uh, and I know many of my colleagues working on this as, uh, do as well. Um, we we all deserve to be safe moving around our city. I want you to be able to have your kids walk safely to school and comfortably or be able to, to bike to the park um, or uh, and be able to move around safely without uh, driving in a car with, without having to worry about, um, oh, is somebody going to run through a red light and hit me? And, you know, it, these are real things that impact in our community, really committed to um, making it better for everyone. Uh, it isn't, there isn't one panacea something we can flip the switch and it's um all gonna get to safety for everyone um but a lot of things together uh and we can get there and so uh, i just want you all to know that we're working very hard to get there and uh, more to come so uh, thank you thanks for joining today Ethan. thanks for having me dan 